Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, folks. June 16th, the Feast of the Sacred Heart. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Well, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to Dr. Luis Sandoval show. We are here in the month of June, and it's the month of the Sacred Heart, officially celebrated June 16th of the month. The question is, as a Catholic, are you prepared? Are we prepared to celebrate this feast? Well, what do you mean, Dr. Sandoval? I mean, it's just a feast, Feast of the Sacred Heart on the 16th. It's not like it's Christmas, right? We always think about, oh, we prepare for Christmas. <clears throat> we decorate, we set up Christmas trees, Christmas lights. We let people know that it is Christmas. Well, what about the rest of the feasts of our Catholic faith? Um, you know, for Easter, we don't necessarily decorate for Easter, although some people do. Some people get around and decorate, not like Christmas, but, um, you know, there's different decorations that go on. And then Easter Day, boy, if kids don't get a Easter egg hunt or something along those lines, that's a disappointment. But what about the Sacred Heart? Let's start preparing for the Sacred Heart. Today, we're going to start our show with the Angelus here at the top of the noon hour. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, folks, June 16th, what are we going to be doing that day? I'll tell you what, I probably won't be going to any baseball games, but that's a different story. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. Um, but really, the Feast of the Sacred Heart, why is this important to us? Why does it matter? Why does it matter to us for the month of June? Um, it's the whole month is dedicated to the Sacred Heart, and then we're going to have a bookend in August with the Feast to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. This is really important. You know, we talk about the heart of the church. We talk about um, that we are the church, that we are God's church, not the building, but the people. We are what's supposed to matter. And then we've got to ask ourselves, are we preparing ourselves though? If I'm what matters to God, did I prepare myself for God? The feast is here for us. Remember, Jesus told us man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. These feasts are made for us. God is actually celebrating us. But what are we doing in order to be prepared for these feasts? Well, there's different things that we can do. You know, there's so much confusion going on. 
um, in the world right now, especially when it comes to questions of Catholic morality, questions of how do we want to live our lives, questions of what is acceptable and what's not acceptable. You know, as Catholics, do we uphold our faith? Uh, do we take seriously what, um, what we preach? You know, do our bishops, do our, our hierarchy, are they taking our faith seriously? Because we're only going to take it as seriously as they do. That's just a fact of life. But as we, as we think about these things, I got to ask myself, what is it that I'm doing? What is it that I'm doing to help change the narrative of what's going on around us? It's not easy all the time. It's not easy to, to think about that because we go through our everyday lives. got to get to work, got to, you know, take care of the kids, got to make sure that there's food on the table, got to make sure that the cars are fueled up and running around. And then we got to take care of homework and take care of all these different things that are important. There's no question about it. Well, what am I supposed to do? Dr. Sandoval, am I supposed to drop everything and, and just be at church all day long? Well, no, I mean, that'd be nice if we could actually do that and survive. That would be the most ideal because that would be as close to heaven as we could get here, being in front of the tabernacle, being in front of Christ. Uh, that would be amazing, really. But the reality is while we're on this earth, we know that we have to work and we have to do certain things in order to continue to survive. That's just how it is. There's nothing wrong with that. But in the midst of our work, in the midst of what we're doing, are we carrying Christ in our hearts? Is my heart a sacred heart? You know, we talk about the sacred heart of Christ, but we are supposed to be becoming more like Christ ourselves. How close is my heart to looking like the sacred heart? Well, let's take a look at what the sacred heart looks like. I wanted to pull up a picture here um, because if, we're, if I'm going to prepare to celebrate the sacred heart of Christ, well, I got to know what I'm preparing for. I got to know what that looks like. It's kind of like saying, hey, I'm going to go on a race. And I've, but I've never looked at the, at the trail. I've never looked at the, at the, the track. Am I ready to run that race? Well, let's take a look here. I want to get a good image for myself. I'm going to put a link here on, for the show on this image. I want to look at the sacred heart. The classic sacred heart of Jesus is a heart that is surrounded by thorns, but it's also on fire, on top, on fire with a cross burning at the very top of it. Now, the cross isn't burning itself. The cross is kind of at the top of the, of the heart, and there's a fire underneath it. Is that what my heart looks like? Is that what my family's heart looks like? Do my kids know that that's what the sacred heart looks like? Are we transforming our hearts in that way? Well, let's break it down a little bit here at the beginning of the show so that we can understand what we're getting into. When it comes to the Sacred Heart of Christ, this month I want to do uh, shows on the Sacred Heart every week. Uh, today, we're going to focus on the promises a little bit later on because we focus a lot on the promises and we're happy about that, but we got to focus initially just like anything else. Let's prepare for the race. Let's see how we can get to those promises. We'll start by looking at what am I preparing for today? What does this look like? Well, it's a heart that has a lot of different, uh, a lot of different features. And from a mental health perspective, from a psychiatric perspective, I got to ask myself, what does this mean? Because it's both sad and glorious at the same time. You know, when we're looking at the sacred heart, it, there's no, there's no getting around it. I mean, you can't not look at the, uh, crown of thorns. You cannot look at the crown of thorns. It's, it's central to it. It's surrounding it. It's, it's right there. <clears throat> There's sacrifice that's going to take place. There is a sacrifice that's going to take place to uh, taking on the sacred heart. Is my heart ready to take on the sacrifices? 
it doesn't look like it feels good. I can tell you from a, from a physician's perspective, if somebody came to me and I x-rayed their heart and I saw that there was a crown of thorns surrounding it, it looks like, you know, briar, like a briar patch, like just woody bush squeezing the heart. I'd say, I think we have a problem. We need to remove that. But yet as Catholics, we understand this is not physically what's going to happen to our hearts, but spiritually we're going to put on these thorns. Am I ready to put on these thorns? Am I ready to have there be pain in my heart? And I understand that that's okay. One of the things that happens to us when it comes to mental health, when it comes to coming to the doctor is a lot of times we go to visit the doctor and what we really want is pain control, but we don't understand that with life comes pain. That's just part of life. It's part of being here on this planet. You might got to remember, you know, Jesus tells us in the gospel of Matthew, don't make a, a treasure for yourself here on earth where moths corrode and thieves come in and take your things. Don't make your treasure here. This is not where your treasure is. I think that that's the biggest reminder of this crown of, thorn, of this crown of thorns surrounding the heart is that we're always trying to look to how can I be happy? How can I have the happiest heart, happiest life possible? You know, I get so many people coming in and saying, oh, Dr. Sandoval, I don't feel good. I think I need a pill. I need a pill for that. I need something to make me feel better. You know, gosh, I, I lost my job. My, my wife and I are not in a good marriage right now. My loved one passed away and died. But what I really need is a pill. I need something so that all that bad feeling goes away. And people sometimes get frustrated when I tell them, you know, I don't have a pill for that. Unfortunately, there are pills for certain things. If you're clinically depressed, if you're clinically anxious, there are pills for that. But for these other things, you know, it's a, it's part of life. What we've forgotten how to do is how to navigate that. When I do start to feel bad, when I do start to feel this crown of thorns surrounding my heart, what am I supposed to do about it? I don't blame people for wanting to come and ask me for a pill because that's what as a society we've told people. We said, hey, you don't feel good? Watch TV, look at the commercial. Take this pill, you're going to feel better. Take this other pill, you're going to feel great. Take this and this is a quick fix for your life so that your goal is to feel good. Well, that's not necessarily the goal of the sacred heart. If we look at this, there is a level of glory around it because there is there are rays of light coming out from behind the sacred heart. There's no question about that. And light is always a sign of hope, sign of heaven. But I can't stop looking at that crown of thorns. Am I ready to put that on? Spiritually, there's a place of sadness here. Why? Why is there going to be that crown of thorns? Because we still live on this planet. We're not perfect. And there is going to be sin. We're going to fall. We're not going to live up to the expectations of the Catholic Church, the faith, the deposit of faith that has been given to us. We're not always going to live up to that. Is that okay? <clears throat> you know, it's only okay insofar as we got to keep examining the heart. You know, we realize it's not okay, but is there any hope to that? How can I get to the light behind the heart? So these different features that I'm looking at, we've got the heart, got the crown of thorns, got the cross on top. Like I said, there's a fire burning beneath it. And there's a bright light behind it. What does the rest of the sacred heart mean? Am I ready for it? How am I going to prepare for it? How am I going to get my family prepared for it? How am I going to get my kids into this? Well, we're going to talk about that as we continue on our show because it's a very important feast. And we got to remember, we got to take back the, the month of June here. We got to understand that the month of June really is for the sacred heart, for us as Catholics to prepare our to look more like more on this when we come back from the break. 
All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to Dr. Luis Sandoval show. As always, I am your host, Dr. Luis Sandoval. Today, we are talking about how do I prepare for the Feast of the Sacred Heart here in the month of June and carry it out the whole month because obviously I'm preparing for the feast, but the whole month is dedicated to the Sacred Heart. I want to celebrate the Feast of the Sacred Heart, but make sure that my heart is still in that afterglow of excitement, of happiness, and of sacrifice turning to the sacred heart of Christ. <clears throat> we're going to have some promises that we're going to look at later on in the month. We're going to see how this builds, what Christ really wants for us as we turn to him. The question is though, why should I do this? Why should I even care about a God? Why should I change my heart to the heart of Christ? What does he care? What do I care? I'm going to go about my business and live my life. Why? Who cares? Is there even a God? What does it matter? What does it matter if, if I change my, my heart to the sacred heart? Folks, we're allowed to believe anything we want. I always go back to that gospel where Christ could not perform miracles in his own home, in his own town, because people did not believe. But we have so many different witnesses. We have the gospels. We have the deposit of the faith. We have a Catholic church that has held up for 2,000 years from the headquarters of the Vatican, St. Peter's Chair, that is still alive and thriving. Not saying it's perfect, not saying we don't need to improve every time, but we've got to remember it's a church buildup of human beings. You know, we are not Christ, but we're trying to get to be Christ-like. The Pope himself is not Christ. He is the vicar of Christ, but he is a human being. Will he make mistakes? Of course, like any other human being. We've got to remember that. But I think this Feast of the Sacred Heart is a great time to remind ourselves, who is it that we follow? I don't follow the Pope. I follow the Pope's leadership towards Jesus Christ. I don't follow my pastor. I follow my pastor's leadership towards Jesus Christ. I don't follow priests or saints. I don't follow them. We all follow Jesus Christ, but we look to each other as an example, as a reminder of how to follow Jesus Christ. So, you know, when we think about, gosh, I follow this person, I follow that person, I, I heard what this person said. At the end of the day, we got to, even people say, oh, Dr. Sandoval said this or that. You guys can't worry about what Dr. Sandoval said or didn't say. What you want to worry about is, am I saying things that are going to lead you to Christ? Okay, you know what? I'm going to follow Christ because this person said something and that reminded me, I got to get Christ back in my life. You know, I went over to church and when the priest homily, I like listening to his homilies. I don't follow him as a person. You know, as a person, he's going to make mistakes. If I hear that the priest sinned, I don't want to be shocked. You know, we're, we're human where everybody's going to sin. This is the crown of thorns around the sacred heart that we're looking at. We're talking about the image of the sacred heart. What am I gearing my heart towards? And I got to realize that if I hear that a priest sinned, well, you know, it's the human part of him. He carries a priesthood, but he's human too. And should I be so shocked? No, I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to say, hey, I want you to carry that priesthood with dignity. The same way, you know, anybody hears, oh, Dr. Sandoval committed a sin. Well, guess what? I stand in that confessional line with everybody else. And <clears throat> what am I going to do about that? I'm human. I got to keep moving forward. In fact, I look to everybody else to help inspire me to follow Jesus Christ and remember what it's like to be Jesus Christ and remember that I need to, to become more like that. But that's really the crown of thorns surrounding them. There's a sadness surrounding this sacred heart that Jesus carries. And it's the sins of the world, the fact that we are not united to him. That's the, the uh, challenging part of sin. That's the, the shocker of sin, if you will, the scandal of sin. It's not so much the sin itself. It's the fact that now I'm further away from Christ. I'm a little further away from God, or really further away from God, depending on how it goes. But that's the shock and the scandal. It's not, you know, we focus so much on the sin itself, 
that we forget what's the effect of the sin. This crown of thorns that surrounds the sacred heart is a heaviness, it's a sadness. It reminds me, hey, I gotta break that crown up. I gotta, I gotta start removing that. I gotta start moving towards Christ. But can I do that by myself? No, I can't do it by myself. I'm gonna have to have faith. I can either be in the in the group of people who didn't have faith in Christ, and therefore Christ couldn't work in their lives. I could do that. <clears throat> or I can say, you know what? I'm gonna spend a little bit of energy praying for faith. Got to remember, folks, we can't just get faith. We got to pray for it. It's an infused virtue. It's one of these things we have to ask for faith, hope, and love. They don't just come to us. We have to ask for them. So, am I going to sit there and say, God, give me the eyes of faith? Help me see how changing my heart closer to your heart might make a difference in my life. I get so many people that come to me sometimes for therapy, for help, for different things going on in their lives, and they forget that we're spiritual beings as well. You know, we have our mental health issues, but we've got the spiritual side of us. We've got to remind ourselves that we got to move forward in this, in this earth, but it's not just physical, it's spiritual. So what I do spiritually is going to affect me as well. It's going to affect my well-being, no different than what I do physically. Gosh, if somebody sits down and eats a whole cake by themselves, a big sheet of cake, you're going to say, you're probably not going to feel good. Why? Because you just damaged the physical part of your body. The body wasn't meant to take that on. If you're going to go and look at horror movies all day long and you wonder why you're not thinking clearly, you're always scared, you're going to say, well, because you just indulged your mind in a whole lot of, of horror and a whole lot of uh, gore. And the mind wasn't meant to do that. The mind was meant to look at things that are beautiful as well. Why does everybody love a nice sunset? Because it's beautiful. Because God's creation is beautiful. It makes us feel good. Spiritually speaking, hey, if I just indulge in a whole lot of sin on purpose, I'm not going to feel good. The soul was not built that way. There's going to be this crown of thorns surrounding us because we're in a place where things are not perfect. Well, let's move on. The crown of thorns is a big one. It's good to spend time on that because we've got to remember this might not feel good. But what's the hope? What's Why would I want to do something that's not going to feel good, Dr. Sandoval? Why would I want to do something that's going to make it so that there's a crown of thorns spiritually around my heart? Because we're preparing ourselves for something a little bit more. If we look at the rest of the image, the top of the image is a cross. Now, <clears throat> the crown of thorns being there the cross is necessary because the cross is what's going to be that bridge for us. You got to remember what the whole purpose of Jesus dying was. You know, how many people have seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ? That's what teaches us the heart of Christ right there. I know some people who tell, tell me, I, I don't want to see it. It's too violent. It's too, uh, it's too sad. It's too scary. But they're more than happy to go see a whole lot of other shoot 'em up kind of movies. And I say, well, you know, those movies are pretty violent too. Yeah. But I can understand what they're saying, though. The passion of the Christ is very real, especially if we're a believing Catholic. If we look at it through the eyes of our faith, we see what Christ had to go through. That cross is there because it's a reminder that that cross is there because the crown of thorns is there, because there's a sadness, because there's something that needs to be repaired in our lives and on this earth that only the cross is going to fix, that only Christ's sacrifice on the cross is going to fix. It's just the facts of life. It's just the, the way it goes with, with if we're going to talk about objective truth and who the king of the universe is, and this is Jesus Christ coming down when he's going to come back in his glory, we're going to realize, yeah, he is the king. He's the king of kings. He's in charge of everything. But how did he get there? How did he earn that? He came down and he did the mission that he was called to do by God the Father. Jesus tells us himself, he says, hey, 
I'm only here, I'm not here doing my own will. I'm here to do the will of the Father. Christ relinquished his will to do the will of the Father. Am I willing to do that? Am I prepared to change my heart into the heart of Christ by following the will of the Father? Not my own will. It's not this is what I want, but this is what God is calling me to do. We forget that a lot. You know, the, the cross, this is where when we're praying the rosary or what I teach my kids or I try to teach my kids or what we talk about a lot is, you know, in this world, we're really, really good about talking about careers. We're really good about talking about, you know, what's on your checkoff list for life. You want to go to school. You want to get an education. You want to get this career. You want to get this type of job. I want to get this type of car. I want to get this house. And then in that we lump, I want to get married. I want to do this or that. Well, unfortunately, we don't stop to ask ourselves, what is my vocation in life? What is it that God is calling me to do? Is God calling me to get married? Why are there so many broken marriages? Because I think we've reduced vocations, whether it be broken marriages or how many priests leave the priesthood because they didn't feel that it was the right fit for them or they couldn't keep their vows or things of that nature. I'm not here to judge anybody, but we got to ask ourselves, are we still talking about God's vocation for us? What's God calling us to do? Am I willing to take up my cross? Meaning, I'm not going to do my will, but the will of the Father. When's the last time people ask themselves, should we get married? You know, marriage is very quick and easy. You can just go to the courthouse and, and get married. You know, there's not a whole lot of preparation to it. But when did the, was the last time that we taught our kids from a young age, hey, you got to ask yourself, what's calling you? God's calling you to do? Now, God might be calling you to get married, but is God calling you to get married to that person? Right? We never stop to ask ourselves that, oh, I'm supposed to get married. I met this person. I fell in love. Well, part of bearing that cross is saying, well, this is a really nice person, but is this the right person for me to marry? One of the best pieces of advice I ever got is just because you love somebody or you're in love with somebody doesn't mean that they're the right person for you. Why? Because God might have a different mission. Am I going to be able to carry out a Catholic family? For men, what I would ask is, hey, if I'm going to carry this cross, there's a big burden to being the head of the family. There's a cross to it. It's a beautiful cross. It's a beautiful sacrifice. But nonetheless, it is a sacrifice. I got to ask myself, if I marry this person, are we going to be able to form a family that I'm going to be able to lead? Because that's what I'm going to be asked to do. I'm going to be asked to be the head of the household. I'm going to be asked to lead a family, not to be the overbearing, totalitarian, my word is, is the uh, rule of the house. Not at all, because part of that cross is, Hey, I don't make the rules. Even as the head of the household, I'm following Christ. I can't make these rules. If my heart doesn't look like the heart of Christ, am I going to be able to make those decisions? We've got to look like the sacred heart in our own hearts. And then we're going to start to see things clearly. We're going to see that there's an understanding to this pain. We're going to see that there is redemptive suffering, as we say, because it doesn't feel good. It's a redemptive sacrifice, if nothing else. We can make it suffering or we can make it a sacrifice. What's the difference? Suffering is just painful. Suffering, it just hurts. It's not good. It, it, there, there's nothing to it other than pain. It's like sticking your hand in a fire. What's the point? You know, it's just going to hurt. But sacrifice means I realize that there's pain in this world, but I'm going to look beyond it. How am I going to look beyond it? It's not that I'm not going to feel it. I can feel the sacrifice, but I'm going to choose to give my sacrifice to God, to have God look at my sacrifice and say, you know what? I'm going to do something with this. I'm going to use your sacrifice to create good in the world, to relieve the pain of somebody maybe across the globe who you don't even know, but your sacrifice is going to help them out and you're going to know about it when you get to heaven.
you two are going to sit down and talk and they're going to tell you, they're going to thank you because they're going to say, thank you so much because of what you did. I was able to feed my kids that day, you know, and you did that from clear around the globe to us. It seems strange around the globe in the world of heaven. We're right next to each other. It doesn't matter. Right. When we look at ourselves as spiritual beings, then it transcends time and space. Our sacrifice can mean something, but do we see that in our vocations in life as well? If I'm the head of the household, I'm not going to follow my rules. I got to make some sacrifices so that goodness can happen in my family. That's what God's going to say. He's going to say, Hey, you were in charge. What's going on? What did you do for your family? What did you do so that to ensure that your kids understood the faith? Are you sitting down with them and teaching them the Baltimore catechism? Are you looking at just good old fashioned deposit of the faith Catholicism? That's really what's important. How's that going to help us? It's going to clear our minds. Believe it or not, when we look at the sacrifice, when we look at the cross and we look at the reality that I have a mission, it relieves the burden of what am I supposed to do in life? It starts making me think, ah, I'm supposed to do the will of the Father. I'm going to follow God's will and I'm going to trust that he's going to guide me as I do this. That's a whole lot of relief. It's going to relieve a whole lot of anxiety. I can guarantee you on that perspective. Because now you're going to have a goal, a mission, and something to work for while we're on the planet. More about the Sacred Heart when we come back from the All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Louis Sandoval Show. Today, we are preparing for the month of the Sacred Heart. Yes, it's already started, but this is a great time to prepare for the feast day, June 16th this year, um, 2023. We start to prepare our hearts to look like the heart of the Sacred Heart. And how are we going to do that? How are we going to do that? Well, we got to look at the picture of the heart. We got to look at what does this heart look like? As I look at the picture, it's a sad heart with a lot of glory. It's an interesting mix, an interesting combination. We talked a lot about the crown of thorns. It's good to focus on that because we've got to remember this is a sacrificial move. We're not going to be turning into the sacred heart of Christ, turning our human hearts into a divine heart uh, or close to it uh, without some level of sacrifice. On top of the heart, there is a cross that reminds us that Jesus followed the mission of the Father, which means that I've got to follow the mission of the Father. There's no question about it. That's how it goes. If I'm going to mirror the life of Christ, if I'm going to mirror the heart of Christ, I got to remember as a person, I'm being called to something greater and I got to follow that mission as well. Now, the interesting thing is under the cross, right beneath the cross, there is a fire burning. There is a fire burning. That fire, I like the fact that that fire is between the cross and the crown of thorns because that is the passion, that is the mercy. That is what brings us, that's what unites us. That fire is God's love burning from his heart to unite the cross to our suffering, to remove that suffering from us so that we can make it to heaven. When we get to the pearly gates of heaven, is God going to look at our hearts and say, your heart is like the heart of my son? Is God the Father going to say, you look like my son, spiritually speaking? Is he going to say, your heart is ready for heaven because you understood that being coming from earth to heaven, there had to be a sacrifice before you came through these doors. Not always easy to think about, not always easy for us to understand, not always something that, you know, on the everyday, I think, oh yeah, for sure, this is what I remember. But it is important to consider, to stop and consider this month and ponder, because it's something I do want to take for myself. 
I do want to ask myself, how close is my heart to the heart of Christ? When I talk to people, am I looking at them the way Christ would? I always, uh, there's so many beautiful stories in the gospels or so many beautiful encounters that Christ had with sinners. And I think about that for myself because we look at people and when I hear about things that people do or things that people have, uh, have said, I go back to that gospel where they brought the woman caught in adultery to Christ. They were ready to stone her and Christ never looked at her sins. We knew what the sins were. They were out there. Everybody knew she was caught, she was caught in adultery. They told Christ that. Christ never asked her what her sins were. He never, or he never mentioned it. He never said anything to her. All he said is, nobody's here to condemn you. He backed her up. In fact, he told everybody else, look at your own sins before you throw that first stone. Anybody who hasn't sinned, anybody who doesn't deserve to be stoned, then throw the stone. Christ reminds us that I got to look at people and say, hey, whatever stone I think that they deserve, I got to stop and look at my own stone. In fact, I got to forgive them if they've offended me in any way. Why? Because Christ is already going to do that. Christ forgave her. Christ is saying, I'm forgiving everybody here. Stop pointing fingers at each other. He keeps telling us that multiple ways in the Gospels. Don't point fingers at each other. That's not what we're here to do. We're here to see each other as Christ's children. That's the important part. So one thing to consider is, when I look at that, when I look at the cross of Christ, when I look at the mercy and the burning love that Christ has for me, do I see the burning love that Christ has for everybody else? Because I can be really quick to condemn people. Yeah, I can judge their actions, so to speak, although the gospel said, you know, don't judge anybody. I can say, well, that appears to be a sin or not a sin. I'm not judging. I'm just saying objectively. I'm not saying, but the difference is, well, Dr. Sandoval, aren't you judging? No, I'm not saying that they're a good person or a bad person. I don't know them as a person. I don't know who they are as a person. What I'm saying is there is sin out there and there are things that happen that go against the tenets of the faith, against what we believe to be uh, good Catholic moral teaching, against the Ten Commandments. That's the pain of the heart of Christ, of the sacred heart. That's the pain that we carry because we're not perfect. But that cross is going to bring us to that perfection. Am I willing to pick it up? <clears throat> Am I willing to make my heart the heart of Christ? It's a good question to ask, especially this month. Am I willing to bring on that sacrifice? You know, we got to say, yeah, I got to be. I got to be if I'm going to look like Christ. But what does that look like? What's the point of all this? We got to look behind the picture. Behind the picture of the sacred heart, we have these rays of light, glorious light coming out behind the sacred heart. You know, this is Christ standing there. We can look at any of the of the typical pictures of Christ of the sacred heart. Christ is, stand, is, is uh, usually standing. He's got one hand pointed to his heart. Another hand looks like he's blessing us. Um, and he's usually looking off a lot of different images I'm seeing here. Sometimes he's looking up into heaven. Sometimes he's looking directly at the crowd. But whatever it is, it's that conduit, whether he's looking up at heaven or at us, it makes sense either way. He's offering us his heart and he's telling us this is a bridge to get to heaven. Do you want your heart to look like mine? That's the whole point of that light behind the sacred heart of Christ. There's going to be sacrifice, but through Christ and through our cross, we can make it to the glory of heaven. Is this possible for us? Is this something that we want to take on? Well, and the real question is, what does that look like in today's day and age? What does it look like that I that my heart is going to look like the sacred heart of Christ? Well, there's different things that happen, different things that are that are going on in the world. Most recently, I know 
on the Feast of the Sacred Heart itself, there's a question here. There's a, a little bit of a hubbub um, going on in uh, the Los Angeles area. We got the Los Angeles Dodgers inviting a group of men who dress up as nuns, and they call themselves the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. And they've been invited to go to Dodger Stadium to be honored. Well, what's the problem with this? The problem with this is not so much that they're honoring people. People can also say, well, you know, but they are a group of men and, and their uh, sexual orientations or their the way that they conduct themselves morally uh, it does not is not in line with a group with the, the Catholic faith. We can look at that. The biggest scandal here, though, I think, is that their mission, while they, you know, might do certain things that are considered charitable in their eyes, uh, one of the bigger scandals though is that they're using images of the Catholic faith in a mocking fashion. That's really what it comes down to, more than anything else. Before we even get into what they do. One of the questions I have with this situation is, how seriously do we take our faith? If somebody's going to mock our faith, are we willing to defend it? Are we willing to say, hey, this is what my faith is. You can't make fun of my faith. This is where the sacred heart of Christ comes in. It is the burden of the world. Am I going to see this? And am I going to condemn the people? Or am I going to let them know, I don't condemn who you are. However you want to live your life, we all have free will. But you can't mock my faith. You can't mock uh, what I consider to be sacred and holy. What good is that? We're not allowed to mock other people. I know that we wouldn't be allowed to mock different religions without there being some kind of um, you know, uproar, without there being some kind of frustration, without there being some kind of, of somebody telling us something, you know, saying, hey, you can't make fun of other people's faiths. But somehow when it comes to the Catholic faith, it's like a free pass. For whatever reason, we got to ask ourselves, is that, why is that? Why is that appropriate? Why the Catholic faith and people all of a sudden, it's like a, a free pass to just make fun of it, to dismiss it, to be less than, um, less than respectful of it. Whether you agree with it or not, it's a question of respect. I was looking to see, well, what is it that the archdiocese is going to say? What is, um, Archbishop Gomez is going to say about this. And there was an article, and I thought this was interesting. I wanted to read it and see what he says about this. The article says, Archdiocese of Los Angeles condemns Dodgers inviting queer and trans nuns to pride event. So let's see what the bishop actually said or what the article uh, mentions that he said. It says, on Tuesday, the Archdiocese of Los Angeles condemned the LA Dodgers for inviting an organization of queer and trans nuns to an upcoming pride event. The Dodgers announced Monday that they would re-invite the group Remember, so they had been invited, and then the Dodgers said, nope, this is going to be offensive to people. Uh, the way that this group carries themselves, it's going to be offensive to people. So we're not going to invite them because it's going to invite, it's going to offend people of the Catholic faith, and we don't want to do that. But they re-invited them. They said, you know what, we've reconsidered. And really what that tells me is the Dodgers say, I don't care if the Catholic people of the Catholic faith are insulted or if they feel like they're being mocked. Eh, we're not going to care about that because we got a different agenda. So let's see here. The Dodgers announced Monday that they would reinvite the group called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, composed of drag queens that mock and misappropriate Catholicism and its female religious members. In the past, the group has hosted a Hunky Jesus contest at Easter, the holiest day of the Catholic calendar, with contestants giving sexual performances as Jesus in drag. Last June, the Dodgers also invited the group to their Pride Night celebration. So 
a decision to honor a group that clearly mocks the Catholic faith and makes light of the sincere and holy vocations of our women religious who are an integral part of our church is what has caused disappointment, concern, anger, and dismay from our Catholic community, the Archdiocese wrote in a statement. The Archdiocese urged Catholics to show solidarity with real nuns via phone calls, letters, and social media posts, and by sending donations to various religious orders as financial support for their vocations. So the Archdiocese goes on to say, let us show the world how much our women religious mean to us and our church. Respect our nuns, respect our religious, respect our church, the Archdiocese wrote. So, you know, it's an interesting, I, I like these quotes because that's exactly what I'm talking about. Um, they're not talking about the men who are doing this. They're not talking about um, what they, if there are sins or no sins or anything like that involved. What they're saying is, this is a mockery of our faith. Please don't mock our faith. You got to change it up. You can't, you can't do that. Um, and think that it's okay. Why more than anything else? Well, when I was talking about the image of the Sacred Heart, one of the things, again, that came out at me was there's the cross on top, there's our mission, and there's our sense of vocation. This is the vocation that we feel God is calling us to, or and more in particular, religious orders, and in particular, women. You know, in society, women are being attacked in different ways, and this is definitely one way where is somebody misappropriating what it means to have a religious vocation to be a nun? Is this really going to make it so that our young women feel like, yeah, I think being a nun is respectful if our church doesn't stand up to this? How many women, how many young girls are going to say, gosh, I think I could be a nun when we allow or if we allow there to be a mockery? Well, let's take it back. Let's prepare for the Sacred Heart. More after the break. All right, folks, well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Today, we are talking about how do we prepare for the Sacred Heart, the Feast of the Sacred Heart, here in the month of June. Am I surprised that there is a mockery of our faith? Am I surprised that people are going to try to mock the faith of Christ, the deposit of the faith, the Church of Christ? No, Catholic faith, you know, it's, it's what happens. The question is, how do we allow it to happen, or do we allow it to happen? And how do we prevent it from happening, really? What can we do in the face of this? I can't prevent people from mocking our faith, really. I mean, that's kind of, people are going to have free will and they're going to do that. However, people are going to see how respectfully I take my faith based on how I act, based on um, how we carry ourselves in public, based on how we carry our faith. But more importantly than that, what is it that we're teaching our children about our faith? Are we teaching our children that our faith is a one true faith? Are we teaching future generations that, look, this is what's important in our faith, and there's some controversial topics, not because they're controversial, but because they're going to go against the grain of what society is going to tell you is important. You know, a lot of times we believe certain things that society is going to say, no, you guys are wrong. And we got to ask ourselves at that point, am I ready to say, no, God is right. You know, no, society needs to catch up to God, not the other way around. Are we ready to do that? Because that's really our battle. That's, you know, <clears throat> when we look at the the job of priests who are preachers, supposed to preach the truth, right? They're not supposed to preach to make people happy. It's no different than you come to me uh, for medical help. And I got to tell you, hey, this is what's going on. You've got this infection or you're suffering from this mental illness or there's different things going on. It doesn't do me any good to tell you, 
you know what, that wound that you've got there that looks infected, it's okay. We'll leave it that way. No, I got to tell you the truth. I got to tell you this is going to make you sick. Well, having the deposit of the faith, having the truth given to us by Jesus Christ in our Catholic faith, we have the obligation to say, this is what's going to make you spiritually sick. Oh, you're carrying a wound with you. We got we to gotta clean it up. You're going to need a particular type of medication that's going to fester, whether it be the wound of anger, whether it be the wound of, of uh, unforgiveness, whether it be the wound of uh, <clears throat> wrath, whatever it is, whatever sin we're carrying, whether we're tempted to lust, whatever it is, we can say, hey, there's a wound there. There's a wound there. I treat a lot of people who have also wounds of insecurities where, you know, I'm not good enough. Well, God made us good enough. We got to be able to see that. If I say I'm not good enough or I'm not worth it or, you know, I'm, I'm lower than I am, I'm not that important. You know, a lot of times people think that that's humility, but that's not humility. Humility is to say, no, I'm important in God's eyes and somehow I got to live up to that because that's what the truth is. Humility is just speaking the truth, whether it be I need to improve on certain things or whether it be, yeah, God gave me a gift for a particular talent. That's just a fact of life. I'm not going to use it to throw it in people's faces, but I'm going to say, hey, I've got this talent. I've got, you know, I've got a really nice singing voice. I don't, but somebody who does has to say, yeah, honestly, I, I kind of do. Um, apparently, it's a good talent I have, but what do I use it for? Do I use it to mock people? Do I use it to make fun of people? Do I use it to sing songs to the Lord, or do I use it to sing songs that are going to drive people away from the Lord? That's really what it comes down to. That's the question of humility that we have to ask ourselves. Am I being honest with myself? Well, how do we start off this month with so much controversy, with so many different things? How do I get my kids more than anything else? Because as I teach my kids, I'm going to be teaching myself too, uh, because it's a reminder. How do I get them to understand the importance of the sacred heart? Well, here's the first thing I'm going to do. I think we need to clear the air clear the air spiritually. We need to spiritually clear the air because it's going to clear the mental air as well. It's going to clear the physical air. It's going to clean things up around us. This is what I tell people. And one of the, the biggest challenges is it's not that hard to do. Remember, everybody on this planet is supposed to have a fair shot at heaven. What does that mean? That God put us all in different places, different times, with different talents, with different things going on. And he's going to say, hey, everybody has a different shot at heaven, or the same shot at heaven. Everybody's got this, the equal opportunity to get to heaven. Well, how's that possible though? Because some people uh, were put in a place where they could uh, go to higher education and get a PhD. Wouldn't they make it to heaven first? Or, you know, because they know so much more or people, you know, got into political situations and they're like presidents and senators and representatives and all these things. Aren't they more important? Wouldn't they make it to heaven first? You're trying to tell me that the person who grew up in a sub-Saharan area of the world uh, with really no access to knowledge of any academic kind, who only worked in the fields their whole life to feed their families and really had no education, you're trying to tell me that that person has an equal shot of getting to heaven as the most learned of academics? Well, yeah, technically speaking. So that tells me that getting to heaven has nothing to do with what I learned not at least not in schools. How am I going to prepare for this then? We've got to clear the air here. Let's let's talk about how we're on equal ground spiritually. What is it that I need to do? I need to take whatever it is that I do have around me, whatever it is that God gave me, and use it for the greater good. That's what it comes down to. 
How am I going to clear the air at home? How am I going to prepare my heart to be able to see that? Remember, I'm trying to transform my heart into the heart of Christ. How can I see that? God pretty much told the people when they brought that woman to him who had been caught in adultery, ready to be stoned, hey, you all have equal footing here. Everybody's on the same equal footing of sin. But that also means from that cross on the sacred heart that we're all on equal footing for salvation. It's about Christ. It's not about me. It's not about anything intellectual. It's not about the academia. It's about how do I carry myself in light of this world? Well, to clear the air, to make it so that we have spiritual clarity, I'm going to start by doing something basic. What I'm going to do in my home is I'm going to get my kids to walk around the house. We're going to get some incense. We're going to get some holy water. We're going to get some a whole lot of prayers, basic prayers, the Our Father, Hail Mary, Glory Be, prayer to St. Michael, maybe some de deliverance prayers, maybe some binding prayers, maybe the Memorare, maybe the Magnificat. We're going to walk around the house and we're just going to say different prayers and we're going to spread holy water and incense everywhere. Why? Because it drives away anything that doesn't want to be around the heart of Christ. That's what it comes down to spiritually. That's how we're going to start to prepare this month of June for the Sacred Heart. I would invite anybody to do the same. I would say get some holy water, sprinkle it around your house and pray. Why? Because you're letting the spiritual world know, hey, I'm claiming this heart, this house for the heart of Jesus Christ. Now, the other big question is, have you enthroned the Sacred Heart in your home? This is a big question to ask ourselves. We're going to talk about that on the next show. How do we enthrone it? But first, before I even enthrone the, heart of, uh, the, the Sacred Heart of Christ in my home, I just want to clear it. I want to clean it up. If I'm going to bring, bring in a nice piece of furniture into uh, the living room or something, something new that I'm buying, what do I do? I prepare that space. I say, oh my goodness, that couch would look so great here. You know what? I got to clear up all this stuff so I can put that couch there. And then I'm going to look at something else and I'm going to say, hey, you know what? That table would go great with that couch. But what I got to do first, I got to clear that space up. Well, this month, let's start by just cleaning up the space. I'm going to say, hey, Get incense everywhere around the house. Get it all nice and smoky. Get some church incense. You know, I'm not going to go down to your local uh, hippie shop. I'm going to look online and say, hey, you can look on different monasteries. And uh, there's lots of places you can go where you can actually get church incense. They'll sell you coal, little incense, not, no big deal, something small to burn it in. Um, and you can just spread that all around the house. Get it smelling like a church for at least a day. And that reminds us, hey, our home is a domestic church. Why do we live here? What's the point of the home? It's not a break from church. It's a place where we should have a spiritual sanctuary. Get some holy water, spread it around. If you have some exercise salt, you can mix that in there. Spread that around the house. Make sure that that's all nice and clean. Get it spiritually clean. Go to confession, right? Get ourselves spiritually clean. So we're cleaning our physical space. We're going to clean our spiritual space. And it's all on the spiritual level. This is important. Why? Because now all of a sudden I'm reminding my kids, and they're going to remember Hey, remember that time that we spread incense? In fact, remember every year, that's so weird. Every weird every year in June, he starts to do incense and, and holy water all around the house, talking about the heart of Christ. I don't know what that's all about. But as they get older, they're going to remember that. And they're going to say, you know what? That was important. We're going to make it a big deal. In fact, after we do that, we're going to sit down and we're going to say, hey, what do you think your vocation is in life? You don't have to have an answer now as a kid, but let's start praying for that. You know, you can start to pray to St. Scholastica, who's the uh, patron saint of nuns. You can pray to uh, St. John Vianney, who's a patron saint of priests, and say, hey, do I have a vocation to the priesthood? Do I have a vocation to religious orders, to be a nun, to be a sister? I don't know. Let's find out. 
we're never going to know if we don't ask. The other thing is, do I have a vocation to marriage? Let's pray to St. Joseph. Let's pray to St. Joseph and see if we have a vocation to marriage. In fact, as we go around the house, why don't we pray to all these saints? We'll say, pray for us. Let us know what vocation God has for us. What mission does God have for us? And let's help us prepare for that. If I know what vocation I have, maybe I won't be so confused when I go to college and pick a major. Or maybe I'll say, no, this, this feels about right because I think I really enjoy math. I want to be an engineer. I think that'd be a good career to bring up a family, to be able to have a family if I'm you know, called to marriage. I'm called to holy orders. Well, maybe I should study some philosophy or look deeper into uh, Catholic theology, maybe some Thomas Aquinas and see what is you know, the, the truth of our faith. How, what is it that I want to learn? How do I want to lead my life in that way? For married couples, we can say, gosh, who do we pray to? We can pray to St. Joseph, say, we're already married. God, please help us to carry out our vocation even better. One of the great saints, I think, that we, married couples should pray to is St. Raphael. If you look at the book of Tobit, you know, St. Raphael, the archangel, was the one who helped out the marriage. He drove out the demon, uh, Asmodeus, who we reject and we refuse and we rebuke in the name of Jesus Christ, he drove out that demon so that Sarah could finally get married. All her husbands were dying off. This demon wasn't allowing it to happen. But St. Raphael came in and he allowed the marriage to move forward. He all of a sudden allowed uh, there to be an actual covenant in the marriage, which wasn't happening before. So these are things to consider. Look at the Bible. What's the story tell us? It's still our story today. It's important to consider this, folks, because as we look at where is the world going, what confusion is out there, we need to be very clear. We need clarity. That's really what we're asking for. There's so much hodgepodge, so much confusion, so much anger, so much frustration that that's not going to let us see things spiritually clear. When we have our hearts turned to the heart of Christ, the first thing we're going to notice is peace. It's not going to be easy. It might not feel good at first. Peace doesn't always feel good, though. What does peace really mean? It means that no matter what's going on around me, I'm okay because I'm with Christ. I can be in a very challenging situation, but it's not going to move me. It's not going to sway me. It's not going to make me feel like the world's over. All I know is right now in this place, wherever I am, and it's always right now, right now in this place, I focus on Christ. My life is going to be geared towards Christ. I'm going to be focused on what am I doing today to continue to be closer to Christ? What gifts did God put in front of me? so that I can continue to learn to be closer to Christ, so that I can continue to make my heart the heart of Jesus Christ. And how do I pass that on to future generations? So that if there are moments of mockery, or disrespect of our faith, I can stand up and say, I understand that you probably really don't understand my faith and that you don't understand what my faith means to me. But let me tell you a little bit about it. Let me tell you about how I carry myself. I'm not gonna throw a stone. I'm not gonna condemn you. I don't know what your life is. I don't know what you're doing. But I can tell you that what you're doing is a little bit of fun. My faith, my heart is the heart of Jesus. Let me tell you what that's about. And this whole month, we'll keep preparing.